It is a new year. We're excited to move into some new days. It's been a challenging 12 months that we've gone through in 2020. We're looking forward to some better days ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the folks who, who have learned how to make masks. They do a good job, and that's protected a lot of people, a lot of folks that might have gotten sick and and even worse, have not because of the wonderful masks that people have prepared for us. And, and, and they've gotten really good at it. O- over the year, you know, we kind of started out with kind of just the best we could come up with. And, and then as things uh, began to progress along, uh, they began to make even better masks and even more comfortable masks and masks that worked a little bit better. And now everybody's kind of in that groove. They just kind of know how that works. You know, it's not a weird thing to go to Walmart and see everybody look like they're a bank robber. It's okay. We, we know what that is. We're, we're, we're kind of used to that. I, I know that people that make masks are better at making masks than I am, especially better than I was when I was in the fourth grade. In the fourth grade, our, our teacher during the, the Halloween season had all of us make paper mache masks. And, and you may have done this when you were a kid as well. You'd blow up a balloon and then you put the paper mache on, on top of the, the balloon and let it harden. And then you pop the balloon and you have basically a, a, a face sized mask and, and we would would make those masks look like different things. I had, had a friend of mine who made a pirate mask. He made his look like a, a pirate had a patch on one eye. It looked pretty good. Uh, I made an eyeball. I, I'm not sure why. I just thought that would be really, really cool to have a, a mask that looked like a, an eyeball. And, and so I was over at his house on October 31st and, and uh, you know, we're in that fourth grade. You're kind of, well, maybe we should trick-or-treating, maybe we shouldn't. We decided, well, we got, a, we got these masks. We might as well use them. So we had a friend of ours that lived down the street from his house. We got on our paper Mache mask. She won't be able to tell who we are with these on. So we went right to her house, knocked on the door, thought we were in complete disguise, but we forgot one thing. She was in the same class that we were. Now, now, mate, you know, his pirate mask was kind of generic, but it's kind of hard to forget an eyeball. <laughs> I remember who made that. So she knew exactly who we were when we were standing. We weren't all that well disguised. Masks are something that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where we're going to read this morning. We're going to be looking through uh, the letter of 2 Corinthians over the next few weeks, where Paul gives some very important instructions for faithful living. The people in Corinth were struggling with that somewhat, and so he gives them some instructions that they can follow to help them live faithfully for the Lord. And we're going to begin in chapter 11, starting with the 13th verse where Paul talks about some folks in Corinth who were wearing a mask. Only it wasn't just a a fun mask to disguise themselves for Halloween. It wasn't even an important mask like we wear today to try to keep each other healthy. This was a mask that was designed to deceive. It was designed to lead people astray. And so Paul gives the Corinthian believers, and the Bible gives us today, a warning to watch for the masks. Here's what Paul, how Paul describes it, beginning in verse 13 in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions Deserve. One thing we can know in 2021, unless the Lord comes, and boy, I would be glad if He did, this would be a great year for the Lord to return. But unless He tarries, 
2021 is going to be pretty much the same as 2020 and 1920 and 1020 and the year 20 B.C., the year 20 A.D. There will be people who will seek to deceive you. So don't be misled by the disguise. Paul warns the Corinthian believers, and the Bible warns us, to be careful that we don't follow the wrong leader. Paul wrote the letter that we call 2 Corinthians to believers who were living in a city by the name of Corinth. Uh, this was a city that it was situated on a very thin strip of land that connected northern and southern Greece. And because of its location, the city became a center for trade because people could come from one sea and go into this little inlet. And there they just had a small piece of land that they had to traverse to get to the other sea. And Corinth was right along that trail. And it became a very cosmopolitan city. People from all over the known world would pass through Corinth. And therefore, there were teachings from all over the world that passed through the city of Corinth. And it created a lot of problems for the believers of that town. There was a wide variety of religious influence all around them. So Paul sent Timothy to help the Corinthians. The Corinthians were, were very new in their faith. They were still learning about the Scripture. They were still learning about uh, Christ. Many of them came from a Gentile background, so they didn't even have any background in the Old Testament. And so, so they were very new in their faith. And Paul sends Timothy to help them to learn, to help them to learn to distinguish what was the truth and, and understand God's Word. Timothy had a lot of problems. When he first arrived in Corinth. In fact, so many that he, he sent for Paul to, to come and help him. And Paul does. He, he revisits the city and, and then writes another letter. First Corinthians was a letter he wrote to help Timothy out. And he goes and he visits him personally to try to help him out. And he writes another letter that's referred to in Second Corinthians. We don't have that letter preserved in the scripture. But he writes this, this strong letter warning the Corinthian believers about the situation. And then later on, after that letter was written, Titus came and found Paul and reported to Paul about what was going on in Corinth. And Paul writes 2 Corinthians in response to that report from Titus. Now things were improving, but there were still some problems. And one major problem that Paul was aware about was that there was a group of people who were teaching that Paul didn't have any right to tell them anything. And so 2 Corinthians is written in response to why Paul had taken on this, this uh, responsibility to try to help the Corinthian people and to warn them that there were false teachers who were trying to mislead them. And that's what uh, leads to what he describes here in the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians. In the first part of the chapter, he warns the Corinthians, don't be deceived by those who are teaching a different gospel. And he identifies Anyone who departs from the foundational teaching of Christ, that anyone who, who diverts from what Jesus said, he calls them a false teacher. Or he, he gives some very descriptive words about them. He calls them, first of all, dishonest workmen. They were just pretending to serve Christ when actually they were serving themselves. 
They were, Paul says, disguised and deceitful. In fact, the church of every age has to guard against those. They were false apostles. They just gave the appearance of someone who had known the Lord. They looked like apostles of Christ. They sounded like apostles of Christ, but they most certainly were not. And Paul writes that the Corinthians should not be surprised there in verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerades as servants of righteousness. All we have to do is look how Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness experience that's recorded there in Matthew chapter 4. That chapter of the Bible describes how, how Satan found Jesus when he'd been out in the wilderness praying and fasting. He finds Jesus and he begins to twist the Scripture. In one of the temptations, the Bible tells us that, uh, that Satan takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple and he tells him to jump off. And then he quotes Scripture. Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, he says, If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. When he says, it is written, he is quoting the Bible. He quotes from the 91st Psalm. But, but Jesus recognizes, wait a minute, you cherry-picked that scripture out of context. That's not what that scripture says. How did Jesus know that? Well, beyond the fact that he was the Savior and he was all-knowing, Jesus shows us how we can know when we're being deceived. Because Jesus simply quotes another scripture. Matthew 4, verse 7, Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, that's a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. Jesus knew something that we need to know about the Bible. The Bible will never contradict itself. You will never find a verse of Scripture in the Bible that says something that does not fit together with all of the other verses of Scripture. And so Jesus knew that what Psalm 91 was saying did not contradict what Deuteronomy chapter 4 said. You recognize that Psalm 91 wasn't permission to put yourself in danger, but rather a promise that God would protect his people. There's a big difference between the two. The reality we need to understand is that small errors can lead to deadly consequences. A $7 billion European Space Agency rocket exploded seconds after liftoff back in 1996 because of a rounding error in the software that caused the rocket to make an abrupt course correction when it really didn't need to. And literally billions of dollars of scientific research were just one bit of firecracker in the sky. But the consequences can be even worse than that. A rounding error in the programming of a Patriot missile system 
led to the deaths of 28 soldiers in Duran back in 1991 because the system had calculated that a Scud missile that had been fired toward their location was going to land 573 meters away. And so no protective missiles were fired. Unfortunately, because of that rounding error, the missile landed right dead square in the middle of their location. The teachers in Corinth sounded reasonable. They gave convincing arguments. No doubt they even were using Scripture. But when he looked closer, Paul saw them for what they really were. False teachers parading as true, but completely against Jesus. Now, how could he tell the difference? How could the Corinthians tell the difference? Or more important for us today, how can we tell the difference? Those false teachers are still among us. They're still here. They were here in 2020. They're going to be here in 2021. How do we know? Well, we do what Jesus did. We do what Jesus taught us to do. When we're faced with a questionable teaching, or or even if it doesn't sound questionable, we can go to the Scripture and see if it fits. If it doesn't match what the rest of the Bible says, then it's not true. The Bible will never contradict itself. When someone is quoting Scripture, be sure they're not just taking that Scripture out of context. Make sure if their interpretation doesn't fit what the rest of the Scripture says, you can know that their interpretation is off. Don't follow the wrong leader, because if you do, you'll find yourself on the wrong train. You remember the game we used to play when we were kids, follow the leader? Well, what if the leader goes the wrong way? Well, then everybody that's following them is going to go the wrong way too. Now, that's not such a big deal in the children's game. It's a huge deal spiritually. Paul puts it as bluntly as he can there in verse 15. He says, It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, Paul said the same thing in a slightly different way when he was writing to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps. What he sows, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The book of Revelation says the same thing. In Revelation 20, 12 it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. I am pretty sure that if Springfield ever builds a subway system, I will not do well with it. When my family went to visit Washington, D.C., we used the metro, the the subway system there in Washington, D.C. We used that to get around. Or more accurately, Marsha used the metro. I used Marsha. If she got on a metro train, I got on the same train. And when she got up to get off, I got up to get off. 
Now, that system worked very well. If it was up to me, we would still be lost somewhere in Baltimore trying to find our way out. If we're going to follow somebody, we need to be sure that we're following somebody that's going the correct way. The Corinthians were in danger of following some false teachers who were leading them right off a cliff. So Paul tells them, wait a minute, before you head off, before you follow these folks, check what they're saying with the Scripture. Take a look at what they say and take a look at what the Bible says and see if it fits. If it doesn't fit, they're wrong. If it doesn't fit, get off that train. They were not headed where the believers in Corinth wanted to go. So what does that mean for us? It means the same thing. In 2021, we're going to hear a lot of voices. We're going to hear a lot of people saying a lot of things. You're going to hear a lot of teachings. A lot of people are saying that they know the truth. Use your Bible. If something they say does not match what the Bible says, you know which one of those to follow. Do the same thing with me. If I say something that does not match what the Bible says, don't follow me. You follow God's Word. Let the Bible be your guide. If you hear something and something clicks in your brain and says, wait a minute, that doesn't sound exactly right. Go to the Bible and find out. If it doesn't match, don't believe it. Make sure you're on the right train. A uh, wonderful thing about a new year is it provides us all with an opportunity for a new start. We all make mistakes along the way. We all stumble and look back and see some things that we wish we'd done a little differently. And, and the new year gives us an opportunity to do things different. Well, as this new year begins, check your Bible. As you hear all the voices that we no doubt are certainly going to hear this coming year, check the Scripture. The Bible never contradicts itself. In following God's Word, you'll always go the right direction. Make sure you're on the right train. Heavenly Father, as we enter a new year, it's an opportunity for hope, an opportunity for Growth, an opportunity to allow you to work in our life. And as we enter this new year, we recognize that in the sinful world we live in, we're going to hear a lot of voices that may sound good, but when we check them against your word, we're going to see very clearly they just don't fit. So help us, Lord, to stay strong, to stay firm in your word, to follow your leadership as we enter into a new year to, to commit ourselves to living according to your command. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Uh, Maybe you're here. 
And as the new year begins, you realize there's a new direction your life needs to take. As you look back, you've seen yourself going a lot of different ways and none of them worked. And you're searching for something new. Well, you'll find it in one place. You'll find it only in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, how do I know that? Well, because that's what the Bible says. And I would encourage you to check it out. See if I'm telling you the truth. See if that is what the Bible says. Go to the book of John. Great book just to hear the teachings of Jesus. So many people reject Jesus because they don't even know what he actually said. Don't make that mistake. Go to the Gospel of John and just read through and see what Jesus actually said. I think if you do that, you're going to come away from that experience knowing one reality. Wow, this is the one I need to follow. All the other voices I've been listening to, they've been leading me down the wrong roads. This is the one that I need to make the Lord of my life. And you can do that. It's, it's a simple thing. God has made it so simple that even a child can understand. It's the most difficult decision you'll make because you're literally turning your life over to Jesus. You're, you're giving him control of your life. And yet the way that you do that is simply by faith saying, yes, Lord, I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you did. As the Bible says, you died on a cross for my sin. You rose again so that I could have forgiveness and everlasting life. Lord, I believe that. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior because I need you. If you'll do that, Jesus Christ will change your life. He'll transform you. It won't just be a new year. You'll be a brand new creature in Jesus And we want to help you with that decision. Now, ordinarily, we'd invite you to come down to the front and sit down with you and show you in the Scripture where it describes exactly what I've just said. We can't do that physically right now because of the virus situation, but we have a way that you can still make that decision and we can help you with that process. If you're here personally in the pew racks before you, there's a little connection card, a little white card there in the pews. Just take one of those, give us some contact information. There's a box that says, I want to follow Jesus. Check that box and then drop it in one of the baskets as you leave this morning. If you're watching us online, there's a digital version of that very same card. It's found at nationalheights.org backslash hello. That link's on our Facebook page, on our web page. Just click on that link. You'll go right there. Give us a way to contact you, perhaps by email. And uh, then just check the box that says, I want to follow Jesus. We'll be in touch with you to help you know how you can follow the Savior. There may be some other way that God's working in your life. Maybe you already know the Lord is your Savior, but you're looking for a church family, a church home. And we would be glad to share with you how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. Maybe there are other ways that God is directing in your life. Maybe there's a prayer need that you'd like us to pray with. And we would be honored to pray with you in this week to come. At the very bottom of that digital form or on the back of the physical cards that are here, there's a place where you can just write a prayer request. And again, just drop that in the basket. Uh, Just uh, use that digital form and send it to us. We would be honored to pray with you in the days ahead. In whatever way God is leading you today, you listen. Responding to His call as we sing together.